Hello, hello. Welcome back to Millennial Life Crisis. Today, it's just me, Shelby. Um, Monica is not on this one because we kind of have found when we're interviewing a third person, sometimes it's like too many people. I don't know. Today, I am interviewing my friend, fellow YouTuber, and now coding student, Anne-Marie Chase. A couple years ago, Anne-Marie and I tried to create a company for basically YouTubers to hire freelancers. And we'll get into that more in the episode of what it was and how we did it. But that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Um, So we worked together on this for a year about. So I wanted to talk to Anne-Marie about it, kind of jog our memories and tell you guys kind of why we stopped working on it, what we learned along the way. And then we're also going to jump into Anne-Marie's kind of millennial life crisis because she took a sort of non-traditional route after college. So I think that'll be pretty interesting for people to hear, especially with a lot of colleges going online for the next year. I think a lot of people are considering maybe taking a gap year or something like that. So I think that this will be interesting for you guys to hear about. All right, let's get into it. Okay, so I have Anne-Marie here. Anne-Marie, how's it going up in Alaska? (laughs) It's good. I was just telling Shelby that it's interesting because I feel like Corona time is like when people's friend groups, like political opinions can actually be like exhibited, even just with like masks or just like not exposing yourself. Mm -hmm. So we have like not as many cases. I think at one point we were like the fewest cases, but now I mean, it's starting to like catch up with other people. But I honestly feel like it's like the best place to be for like a pandemic. You just have a ton of open space, like a ton of Yeah, in the summer. In the summer. Yeah. You guys, you should come up. I want to. I'm like, once traveling is all good and everything. I've never been to Alaska, but I have relatives and stuff there. So I feel like I've grown up like hearing all about it. And, like, It's just like, honestly, one of the most beautiful places. Well, we can hop into our life crisis. I always am like, life crises or life crises? <laughs> life oh, crises of the week. Is it crises? I think so. Our millennial okay. life crises. Okay. So like you go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So mine has been that ever since I got back from Seattle, I visited my family there and then I came back to LA. Ever since I got back though, I felt so fatigued and I'm oh like God, that was going to be mine. That was literally going to be really? mine. Really? I'm like I saw like symptom? an Instagram story yesterday of like Abby Aslan, I don't know if you follow her, but she was like does ever does anyone else just get exhausted? Like she sleeps really well, exercises so do I and I just get so tired. I nap before this. I was like I need the energy. Yeah. It's so weird like I definitely am not feeling 100% how I normally feel. Like, I got a great night's sleep last night, eight hours and 30 minutes, according to my phone's app. But I felt so tired all day, like physically weak, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So hard to just get up. Like, I was like, I was just laying there for 10 minutes. I think the world is just very tiring right now. It's exhausting. Yeah. Like, like, the news or just like, yeah, we're just kind of. Yeah, okay, I don't was- know. I'm like, is that a COVID <laughs> symptom? Like now I'm getting all paranoid. Oh yeah. I like, that's, that's the real crisis is just thinking like you wake up with like an itch in your throat and you're like, I have coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if it's cause I just got back from like chilling in Washington yeah. or if I have it, but now I'm like maybe going to get tested or oh, whatever. So yeah. I'm like, I definitely, it's been like three or four days of feeling weirdly just so tired when I normally don't it's like not normal it's definitely weird you have like a crazy like fourth of July like exhausting Mm, fourth of July not really 
Yeah. So I don't even know. No, I'm on the same page. I think everyone, I honestly think a lot of people are feeling this way. Like even on Twitter, I see people just being like, does anyone else feel exhausted just by like the events or just like (laughs) by the days? And a lot of people feel that way. I really think it's just like, we're all just kind of stressed and it's taking a toll on our bodies. Yeah. Maybe it's just just like, I don't know, normal for for now wait so that was your crisis too you're also that was gonna be mine but I I mean I have like a a, I had a few just like dumb ones (laughs) oh great great okay so my mine I feel like honestly every single day that I'm trying to learn code because I'm in a coding boot camp now it feels like a crisis I'm just like it really takes it's like a physical visceral experience when you're just so confused and have absolutely no idea how something works and you just you just question like if you're smart, what you're doing, like what oh, your life man. path is, oh, and you really no. have to just take a step back and be like, okay, this is not like I'm not doing this because I'm being forced to. I'm doing it because I want to and I want to learn. Like mm-hmm. I really have just started like I started running like a ton this year. I've never I've never run as much probably in the last five years than I have in this year, partially oh. because like you know all the gyms are closed and stuff, and I'm like really into yoga and my studios were closed. But also just because it's just a great way to get your frustration about like something really confusing out. It so is. I much, love running. I think it was hard for me because I just literally didn't know how to breathe. But then oh, I started, yeah. you know, I do yoga all the time. And so I started for the first time and it was challenging. It's like exhausting on your body, which also helps me really sleep at night. It's also, I feel like it's the best exercise to like take some emotions and just like work through them you know 100 percent. i have a theory with running that (laughs) you can't at least whenever i'm on a run if there's anything like throughout the day i'm like stressed out about or whatever i while i'm running like on that run i can't even have any like negative emotion exactly and if you do it's literally just like i'm just gonna run this off it's like unlike anything else i think yeah i really that's what i'm super grateful for about like coronavirus is or the, not coronavirus, just like the quarantines, is like I just discovered that I actually really like running. Yeah. Are you? Do you listen to music while you run or like a podcast? I do. I, do. I tried listening to a podcast, but I feel like music really makes me like get into it. But that's also hard because I'm always just too lazy to put together like a good running playlist because I just mm-hmm. get sick of songs. Uh, but podcasts, like I like listening to podcasts if I'm going on a walk. I've been doing those yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I know some people will run listening to a podcast and I just cannot. Like, it's boring. I start to get, like, irritated. <laughs> yeah. Just can't yeah. do it. Cool. So those are our life crises of the week. Yeah. yeah. Um, like those. Those everyone let us know yours. Oh, we can react to some life crises of the week that people have at the end and give them advice Ooh. on stuff. Ooh, that's so yeah. fun. <laughs> but I thought it would be fun to kind of, like, backtrack and talk about Shutter, definitely talk about Shutter, and also if you feel like you've had a quarter life or millennial life crisis, because I feel like you've definitely like made entire life, yeah, <laughs> made quite a few changes in the last few years, yep. and yep. you didn't do like a traditional after college path, which I think is super no. interesting. So yes, yeah, I feel like I would love to talk about that. It's been building up to this, but I think everyone, every millennial, like late millennial, so like young millennial, is just leading up to this just internal like crisis and mm-hmm. about their career especially like a lot of people that I know they're just like what am I doing like is my work meaningful and especially now that everyone's like working from home they're just getting that kind of like twofold yeah they don't have the like distraction of like oh I have fun co-workers so yeah. I like my job it's like no yeah. but do you actually like the work you're doing yes that's exactly. all you have now oh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
So I guess we can explain Shudder too if anyone is like, what are you guys talking about? Because some people don't know. But Shudder, without the E, Shudder.com, it was a (laughs) website that Anne-Marie and I made two years ago, I think. Wow, has it been two years? You know, it's weird. Like, I look at the vlogs and I'm like, that doesn't even feel like that long ago. Like, weird. I feel Um, like from the evolution of your channel, it feels like a long time ago. But if I'm just mm -hmm. thinking about it, like, right here and, like, talking to you, I'm like, oh, it was, like, last year. That's so true. I feel like, yeah, if I look online. I feel like you've also made a lot of changes. Like, yeah, I'm like, I look different and, like, I don't know. But yeah, yeah. But if I didn't have YouTube, I would be like, that was like two months ago. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, I interrupted you. I need to get better at not doing that. Oh, that's the hard thing with podcasts because it's like, not like a normal conversation where I want to be like, yeah, uh huh, whatever. But then it's like, I listen to it. I'll keep that in mind. Oh, you do that where I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it's just going to be like over you. I do it too much. I mean, I don't think it's too bad. You guys let us know. Email me if it's annoying or if I do that too much. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it was a website basically where you could hire freelance photographers, videographers, editors for your YouTube videos. Or if you're a company and you need like an advertisement or you just want like senior photos, anything like that. That's kind of how we started it. And um we both actually had the idea separately. I think that's what's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like one of us had it. We were both like, wait, you thought of this too? Okay, yeah. we should do this. And it was just crazy because we literally just met at this YouTube event. It was dope. Mm-hmm. Dope, be- best weekend ever, they <laughs> called it. Yeah. I was like, oh, should I say anything about dope? Yeah. It was their first like influencer event. And it was like, I was invited because I was friends with Tasha, and Tasha interned with them with, like, Gretchen, mm-hmm. and so we met there just kind of randomly, and then the next week, we hung out, and then we both were just, like, at your house or at your apartment and talked about this idea that we both separately had, so it just kind of seemed like like the craziest serendipity or, like, the craziest coincidence, so we totally. were like, we have to do this together. <laughs> yeah, we're like, we have to, and it was kind of perfect because you were in your last year of college, yeah. And I was just doing YouTube, but I kind of, like, wasn't loving the videos I was doing. Yeah. I was kind of, like, figuring that out still. Yeah. So I was super down to do, like, a different project for a while, you know? Yeah. It was really – yeah. So I had – I was in my last semesters, and so that was the time where I was finally able to take my upper division electives, mm-hmm. and I chose, like, all entrepreneurship classes. And this is, like – I feel like you should really spread it out in your college experience because I spent, like, the first two years just getting burnt out from, like, my – course load and just Mm -hmm. never taking any classes that I like actually liked but this was like filing the time that I was like oh this is like all stuff that I love talking about and learning about and we literally had like our group project literally was shutter except just like on a much smaller scale and it was like because at USC I feel like USC attracts like a lot of like influencers or at least maybe now it is there are quite a few like youtubers slash influencer people and they're really into social media and so I had the idea for my group that I was like, oh, let's do um, like, cause also senior photos were a huge thing, but, and those were super high in demand. And so we literally just like took a camera, went to like the quad and then we're like stopping people to be like, Hey, do you want like some photos? And we had like a good photographer on our team and we were like, it's $5. <laughs> hey, that's a good deal. <laughs> yeah. But I think like our initial idea when we were talking about it together, it's so interesting because I feel like it just evolved that like just so much goes into like running a business, but our idea or like at least my idea. And I, I feel like we both have this idea. You can correct me, but it was kind of just going to be like the Uber for photographers and videographers. It would be mm-hmm. kind of like an app and you could just get an instant person. So like, even if you were like in Hawaii traveling and you 
wanted to like go to the cool spots or like just get if you're an influencer like you can you know get paid a lot of money for these like photos but you need Mm -hmm. someone to take them and so the idea was to kind of have like an immediate on-demand photographer yeah I had the same thought but I guess in my mind I thought of it more like Airbnb I don't know because I think I thought of the website like that but same sort of thing that's kind of what it turned out and kind of makes more sense to do because like you don't maybe in LA you just have people like waiting around that can you know, drop their schedule and like go, <laughs> go drive to you. Yeah. But like nowhere else you can just like request a photographer and there's just like the demand's not there yet. Yeah. Kind of that would be amazing. Future. Like, oh, if this keeps evolving. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be so cool. So I guess now a bit fast forward, we don't work on Shutter anymore. We kind of abandoned it, I think, over like a year ago ish. Yeah. So we'll explain everything that happened with that although the website is still up but just kind of keep it up for my own I kinda, personal yeah like if you like, want to keep it up that's it's like kind of a good little reminder of like yeah I, <laughs> I like well I like actually going through and being like oh are there actual like if I need to hire someone I actually will look through it yeah what like, is the activity level like do you do you see like a lot of activity mm-hmm. happening on there I could look I actually haven't do it that's the coolest thing about like having a business is like people think that businesses are like these huge entities and you're just like it's like a huge facade basically like if you have a small business it's literally just like me two people running it yeah every single aspect so we could see every single thing that was going on like every conversation every transaction Uh every request to do anything I think that was like honestly one of the coolest things I learned from that process is it's like starting a business is actually like it's just starting it you know it's just like executing it's not anything more complicated than that all businesses like start like very small just like that. Totally. Quick sponsored break. Our sponsor this week is Every Plate, which I made last week. It was really, really good. So Every Plate, if you guys haven't heard of it, it's a meal kit, but it's America's best value meal kit. It's really, really affordable. It's cheaper than takeout or postmating or anything like that. Much cheaper. In fact, they have a deal right now where it's $2.99 a meal for three weeks. $2.99, that is probably a lot better than I do when I grocery shop for myself. So that that's like incredible. The one that I made was the pork and poblano. The one that I made was the pork and poblano tacos. They were really good and it only took me about 30 minutes to make it, which for me is perfect. I usually don't want to spend more than 30 minutes making a meal. Um... With every plate, a meal is basically the same price as a cup of coffee. Honestly, probably cheaper than a lot of the expensive coffee places in LA. In the past, I've been like a little hesitant to try meal kits because they're like the price point where I could pretty much just order food on Postmates. But every plate is legitimately cheaper, you guys. Like it's actually way cheaper that it really makes sense. So I think if you're going to do a meal kit, this is really the one to do. And they're still using good ingredients. Like you're still going to get meat and stuff that's kind of expensive. So I almost am like, how are they able to do it at this price? It's insane. So if you guys want to get the $2.99 per meal deal that's going on, it's usually $4.99 per meal. But for three weeks, you can get it for $2.99 by going to everyplate.com and entering the code MLIFECRISIS3. So I'll have that in the show notes. But Again, it's M Life Crisis 3. I really like it. I'm like about to order some more myself. I would definitely recommend checking out. Like, seriously, kind of a no brainer with the price point. All right. And now back to talking about Shutter. Okay, let's see. I just logged in. Okay, so it looks like in June, so last month, there were 17 conversations. Like, 17 17? people. 
70 people like reached out looking to book wow yeah wait (laughs) that is insane (laughs) (laughs) um maybe some of them were reaching out to the same person though like sometimes someone's looking to book someone so they like reach out Mm, yeah yeah. so there's more like probably like 10 different people that's pretty good still well yeah for you just like hands off not really i know people like i get email alerts when people sign up and i'm always like oh shoot maybe I should. that's the thing is there still a demand for this but people all yeah. go to craigslist it's all on craigslist we should talk about that too that was like a super interesting discovery yeah we should talk about some oh, of the all like these memories we back. did that were like, yeah. like one thing i think is particularly kind of funny that we did was like yeah we would go to influencer events and like go up to people and be like hey yeah. can we like take some photos of you here's our website that was honestly kind of like one of my favorite memories of doing shutter uh-huh. because you always, like, in all these entrepreneurship classes, you always heard, like, you need to speak to your customer. And it's, like, me and Shelby were, like, the customers, but we did so many interviews with the photographers and the creatives, and we were, like, we only had our friends, like, who are influencers, and they wouldn't really, like, they were super supportive, but they wouldn't, your friends are not always going to give you, like, their full opinion. Yeah, they're not totally honest. Yeah, Yeah, you could talk more about that. it's, like, awkward, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is awkward, and, you know, so we would go to these influencer events, and we would literally just be, like, okay, we need to go up to, like, this girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's crazy. I saw one of the first girl that we went up to um, in Hawaii. <laughs> I didn't talk to her. Her name's Naomi. Oh. Naomi, she's, like, a fashion Oh, yes, influencer. I remember her. She was, like, a blogger. Yeah, I saw her and her beautiful husband, like, waiting in the airport in Hawaii. Oh, my God, that's so funny. Yeah, but, yeah, essentially, we would just, like, gather up the courage, and I think that's why I liked it best, because it was just, like, so out of your comfort zone. Yeah, then it was, like, a rock talk. after you did it. You're yeah, like, totally, yeah, and it's, like, it's all about just like coming off as not creepy. And Shelby, Shelby was a great person to be just like, she was a great person to just like, cause I would just be like, oh, she has like a million followers. If we were talking to someone who's like a creative, cause that means people like freak out over that. They're like a million followers. Or she's like a YouTuber with like millions of followers. Like people went insane. Funny, yeah. And then also she's like a great photographer. So we did, ha- we, we could just like go up to people and be like, Hey, we like work at shutter or like we have this startup. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't like, if you don't mind, we would just like take a few pictures of you and we can send it to you later for free. And yeah. so those are two like super cool things that we had to offer. Which, right. Yeah. We had something to offer them. We weren't just like bombarding. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, check this out. Cause people at influencer events like generally want photos. But I think one yeah. thing that we kind of started to realize is a lot of people just like to take photos on their iPhone. Yeah. And so some people actually did like the DSLR photos, but the instant like being able to just have them on your phone, see them right there, that it, it yeah. is nice. Even, well, like, I feel like even at those events, they should just have someone that's like kind of going around and doing that, like offering to take photos. Cause yeah. these brands are throwing these events literally for the PR mm-hmm. and to also like get in a relationship with the influencer. But it's kind of, it's kind of crazy that they don't have like a focus on taking photos. Cause that could really help them. Yeah. I remember way. like yeah. one of the first ones we went to a create and cultivate event. Do you remember that? And um, then you got up the courage at the end to go up to Katie Austin. Oh, yeah. Who's, she's like a fitness influencer, if you guys yeah. know her. her mom and is- I was like, that was like one of the first ones we did. So I was like, I'm like nervous. Yeah. Like, you know, but you're like, I'm going to do it. I was like, dang, Emery, like, yeah, go. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, 
surprisingly like super down like oh yeah I need someone actually for my clothing thing or whatever and she ended up like actually signing up later on it's funny because probably then we probably just seemed like random people like I don't think we told her at all that we were youtubers too but then I ended up meeting her again at a Puma event in Miami and she was like oh my gosh yes I remember Shutter. and I guess then it was a different context of like oh we're all here as like influencers but it was just kind of funny like we that actually was good we met a lot of people doing that yeah it's just I feel like anything that forces you because it's like when it's your own business or like your kind of like reputation or just like your your thing that you're working on you're more willing to like do things for it than Mm -hmm. I mean if it were like a work event like I don't I've never I don't can't recall like ever oh like I worked at Neutrogena and I had to like go to the uh, career fair and it's like yeah, you care about that, but you're not going to go, like, out of your way to, like, talk to someone that you think could, like, use your service or, you know, like, for the career fair would, like, come in to talk to you. Those are, like, really my best memories. It's, like, because it's just, like, you're proud of yourself, too. You're, like, wow. And then you also just realize it's super easy. Like, a lot of human interaction is literally just, like, people kind of being insecure and, like, staying, like, separately because you're kind of concerned about what that person thinks, But it's, like, a lot of conversations and, like, friendships and relationships can literally just happen by, like, saying hi and, like, being the person to extend yourself. Yeah, I really think that most people are friendly people. Yeah. But everyone – like, there are some people that are just super outgoing and out there. But most people are, like, pretty friendly if you approach them. Yeah. And you're not, like, weird about it, I guess. Yeah. But it's always, like, a bit intimidating, I guess. For sure. Like, I don't – like seek out like talking to the person next to me but I've had some of the best conversations on airplanes because you're so close I mean not anymore but you're so close at like physically in proximity Mm -hmm. and you know that you might never see this person again and so there's just something about like an airplane setting that yeah yeah that is so true I've I met a software engineer on there once who then I ended up working on that question me app oh I want you to try it actually I'll send you it's in the app store now oh my god wait I was seeing a lot of issues with like the app store getting connected just like on twitter with this like company called hey did you have issues with that um i don't think so we did have an issue with basically the app store takes 30 percent of every like in-app purchase which i didn't realize so it kind of screws up the business model of what we were doing because then it's like apple takes 30 percent if our app takes 20 percent then I haven't even explained what this app is or whatever. But then the other, the influencer would only get 50%. And I feel like they'd be kind of like, uh, but. You should try looking at um, this guy named DHH. He's like the founder of Basecamp. And he just created this like new email called Hey. And oh, cool. he talks about this exact problem where he thinks it's kind of like Apple is kind of corrupt for just taking all these profits. Like you, cause it's, it is insane that they take 30%. It's, they have like a full monopoly on it. It's insane. Yeah. Um, so their go around apparently is to have payment. And this is like Spotify too on like a web application. I've seen this and Netflix does it. Yeah. So it's like, you can never pay in the app. You have to like go on your computer. Yeah. Which, I don't know, like, that sounds very complicated to do, but mm-hmm. it could be, like, a workaround for that. Totally. Anyway, back to Shutter. Okay, yeah. I think, okay, we should talk about how you decided to work on Shutter after college yeah. rather than get a normal job. Because you actually yeah. interviewed at a couple jobs. You had job offers. Like, yeah. it wasn't like you had nothing else. Yeah. And I, that would be a hard decision, I think. Yeah. It was a really hard decision. I took a leave of absence, so I left school for six months and worked at Neutrogena full-time for six months, and I loved my team. I loved, like, 
the people there. I love the culture. And I was like, this is my dream job to be doing digital and consumer marketing at a brand that I genuinely love. Like I actually use Neutrogena products every single day. Yeah. And there's nothing like, this is not to bash like Neutrogena and Johnson and Johnson, but I'm just like, I could have, I did one to two hours of actual work a day. And the rest of the time I was just kind of sitting on my ass. I gained so much weight. It was just, I felt like I was doing nothing with my life. Like that, those, I I feel like especially like, you know, you could understand this because you've been doing YouTube for 10 years. Mm -hmm. If you're kind of just forced, even in like a classroom setting to just spend a large amount of time doing something that you know is like not really what you want to be doing, it's just draining. Like it kind of drains your soul. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of like millennials and like, even like Gen Z growing up are starting to realize this. It's like they're not finding fulfillment from their job. I think the hardest part is literally just the peer pressure. It's like one of my friends still kind of like takes little jabs at it. She's like, oh, I have a real job. And it's oh, just like, yeah. yeah, it's so I, I think, think that with YouTube too, like anyone who's not at a mm, nine to five, it's like, okay. That's the thing is like people, they don't practice what they preach. It's like a lot of guys go into all these different like industries literally just to make a ton of money and like I've literally heard a conversation with Shelby we were at, I don't know where we were at but we were out <laughs> and this guy <laughs> who were who you were talking to was just this like bro who just like was trying to brag about his money and I'm like dude Shelby's making more on one sponsorship than you are probably in the entire year I remember I just felt the need to like stick up for you because it must be exhausting for you and I, I'm sure you feel this too with just like being a YouTuber and like because you also didn't take the traditional path of like mm-hmm. going to college which I think like you are doing so much more like you yourself than a lot of like most college people I know because it's like the difference between just following a track that's like laid out for you versus like finding what you're really good at what you really like to do and just like excelling in it and just like working on it because at the end of the day like it's all just about like what you put in and like how hard you are working on what your like intuition is telling you to go for that can ultimately like lead you to a lot more success than like a traditional pathway in a corporate job. And that's like my opinion. So that's why I decided to, and I just felt like it was like my time to graduate. I don't know why I I phrase it like that. It was (laughs) like, I was graduating soon. And then I was taking all these entrepreneurship classes and I was like, this is like really what I'm interested in. Like I love business and like startups. And it's just like, I just like, well, I just read Twitter all day because it's just like, I'm fascinated by it. I think businesses are so fascinating because you can have a huge impact with just like a small amount of people. Like think about, Instagram, like even algorithms, like, you know, they're kind of like dictating what you're consuming and like what you're thinking. So I think you can always just make a far bigger impact, like kind of just starting something of your own. Like I felt like a little cog in the wheel. And not only that, it's like when I was at Neutrogena, I like was doing a hypothetical marketing plan. So it was completely not going to happen. And just with my hypothetical marketing plan, I was like, I would like allocate about like 80% spend to digital because they allocate to print, to TV. Um, I don't even know what else, but that's like a huge portions of their money go to like print magazines. At the time it was Teen Vogue was like probably their biggest print partner. Teen Vogue has since gone fully digital apparently. Like I guess they don't, I'm not, I heard that at one point, but apparently they don't even print their magazines anymore. So Teen Vogue itself, like these print this print allocation has already has actually gone fully digital. So in my, right. It's just so, but in my marketing, my hypothetical marketing plan, I was like, I would honestly just 
uh, allocate like most to digital because that's what Glossier does. Like that's how, especially like with social media, like Kylie Jenner, like her mm-hmm. brand is freaking enormous because they just use social media to market because that's where like the people buying it are. And my, the person like leading my project, he wasn't my direct manager, but just for this project, he was like, well, we can't do that because this is how it's always been done. And I'm that's just like, the reasoning? Yes. That's and so I'm sure, crazy. Yeah. I'm sure like he didn't really mean it. I'm sure he was just trying to be like, oh, like this is like a project, you know, like uh-huh. this girl's like, it just really didn't matter. But that made such a huge impact on my like understanding of the company I was just like this just is not innovative if, if they can't change like even for a hypothetical project mm-hmm. and if this is like kind of the culture then I just like don't really want to be a part of it because I don't think that it's going to succeed ultimately basically in making the decision it sounds like you kind of you had experience with that and then knew kind of from your intuition yeah like you'd be just mind-numbing work all day yeah yeah. And it's like that that is a very privileged, you know, perspective and viewpoint mm-hmm. to come from. And I understand that like not everyone has that privilege. But I also think like because I do have that option, like I, I I'm not opposed to getting a job, but it's like I wanted to switch industries too. Like I wanted to get into tech. And mm-hmm. so um it kind of like was all just like huge different factors coming to play. And then I met you and then we had the exact same idea. And I was like, this is insane. <laughs> yeah, we're so like, no, we have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, because I think a lot of people would have a hard time making that decision. I feel like I would even if I was like yeah. switching places. For me, it was like not hard at all because I was like YouTube too, yeah. whatever. But then we can kind of explain too how we even made Shutter because at first we just yeah. had this idea and we were like, we don't know how to code. I guess yeah. you're learning now. I mean, I made MySpace layouts when I was 12, but that's not, I, I can't really think you, you would love coding and I think you'd be really good at it and I think like you could change the world somehow (laughs) if you if you coupled your like video making skills and storytelling skills with like coding somehow like I I mean I I, it's so much work and I don't want to like push you down that path but I feel like you could do a lot with it I've definitely like tried a Skillshare class yeah it's coding and like attempted and then I get like I don't ever stick with it yeah I don't know it, it is like it's my biggest, like, my next millennial life crisis is just, like, dedicating enough time to it. It seems like, super time-consuming. It's so time-consuming because, yeah, you have to learn it and then you have to actually do it and debug it and, like, kind of wait for someone to be like, oh, like, can you explain this to me? Like, I have no idea what's going wrong. Okay, guys, I'm interrupting for a moment. You know the best place to find a new quarantine activity to do? Skillshare. That's right. Skillshare is sponsoring this podcast yet again. I love Skillshare. I have been a member of it for over a year now. If you don't know what Skillshare is, just allow me to enlighten you. Skillshare is a website with thousands of different classes for a lot of different creative stuff, but just a lot of things in general. So they've got photography, animation, marketing, video production. Um, I'm sure you could learn how to make a podcast on there too. Uh, there's even web development and coding. I've tried those ones, which is kind of relevant. I think I actually say this later in the episode, I just realized. But um, yeah, I've tried a coding one on Skillshare. So Skillshare is really affordable, especially when you compare it to in-person classes classes and workshops, which we can't even do right now. So another reason to just go on Skillshare. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month and that's for unlimited classes. And they have thousands, so many classes on there. I really like that because then you can bounce around to different stuff. So you can start with coding, but then you can go into video production, you know, whatever you want. So you guys can get two months of premium membership for free by going to Skillshare.com slash mlifecrisis. 
That's Skillshare.com slash MLifeCrisis. Two months is a good amount. Like that will tide you over for quite a bit. So definitely check it out. I'll have it in the show notes as well. All right, back to the episode. Feel free to jump in if you like remember okay. parts of like, I'm trying yeah. to just explain like the whole process yeah. of making shutter. So we didn't really know at all how to make it, but we we would always look for like different pitch events and stuff where we could try and get some kind of like funding or whatever. We would kind of design what the website would look like. And then I applied to Grid 110, which was like, they call it a pre-accelerator. So if you're not familiar with the tech world, an accelerator is basically like they invest a bit of money like at an early stage and kind of hold your hand a little bit, right? Like the most famous like one is Y Combinator who, you know, like Stripe and Airbnb have been through. Like it's essentially like a place like not this one, not the one that we did, but it can be a place like the next step if we were to go further, like the next place we would apply to are places that give you like resources, time and money. Basically, they give you like a community of people to like get information from. But the one that we did was like, um, like a pre idea yeah. or it was like helpful. Right. Yeah. But Basically, what they gave us was office space at this co-working space, which was really fun. And now I'm like, I want to join a co-working space. Yeah, was like, it was really all, fun. That was a good time, too. They're all closed. Yeah. The kombucha on tap. I on actually did table. have a real... I met someone that was very helpful there. Ben, the lawyer. Yes. Shout out. He gave me a tip because I wasn't getting paid by my um, influencer, like whatever sponsorship I did. Mm-hmm. He gave me the idea to threaten, just be like, hey, like I haven't gotten paid from this still. I followed up like X amount of times and I'm going to file this with small claims court. And that has worked every single time. <laughs> I feel like working on a co-working space is really great if you're a freelancer just to like yeah. get out and like meet some people. <laughs> yeah. Meet some people just like for fun, maybe potential friends. But also that's super helpful. Yeah, it was so like, helpful. Was, I've yeah. used that a few times now. It's like my life hack for just not getting paid as a freelancer. Yeah. <laughs> like we're going to court. <laughs> yeah. They always they always immediately are just like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like this totally slipped our brains or whatever. They never like you never I've never had to actually go to court and I the brands I don't think they expect any influencer to even know that that's an option yeah. so then if you do know they're probably like oh um yeah we'll just pay because it's yeah. like that would be annoying for them for it is really easy for brands to take advantage of influencers yeah you just stand your ground totally. and know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah so we did how did you feel about grid 110 the pre-accelerator I didn't think it was that helpful I thought it was cool that it brought a community of like other people who were trying to do the same thing together. I think we mm-hmm. met really cool people. Like I really enjoyed all the people there, but that's like kind of a thing about learning about entrepreneurship is the people teaching it usually haven't started their own companies or don't have their own kind of thing. So it's just like by textbook. I had just taken all my entrepreneur upper division entrepreneurship courses at USC. And so it was kind of like a repeat of a lot of the things that I had learned Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, how did you feel about it? Did you, like, because I I think it is really important to learn those things and to Mm -hmm. just, like, you know, bring terms or, like, bring a name to, like, different things or, like, you know, concepts. But for me, I had just, like, like yeah, yeah. yeah. But for me, I was just, like, I, you know, I just, like, been nailed on the head with this for, like, my last, like, two years at USC. But what did you think? Do you think it was helpful? 
Um, okay, so at the time, I guess because I had just been so off on my own doing YouTube and stuff that I was like, oh, this is kind of fun having like a little community yeah. thing. Like I haven't had this in I love the community. Yeah, yeah, like I felt like I was kind of in school again, but in yeah. a good way. Okay, looking back, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't super helpful. Maybe not even the best use of time because, yeah. <laughs> you know, we could have just been like doing the stuff, like yeah. trying things rather than yeah. like sitting and learning about it. But in some ways, I feel like it did kind of... Um, help us get our shit together a bit like I kind of agree yeah I yeah like like I should give it more credit I think like the pitch competition it really forced us to be like what is like a lot of the exercises in putting the pitch together it forced us to be like what is shutter what do we want it to do like you know it had us answer a lot of questions about shutter right and it held us accountable in that we had to get some kind of minimum viable product done and so then we actually did rather than it can be so easily when you don't have a deadline even for a youtube video or for any project you're ever working on to like try and make it too perfect and never get anything done that is honestly a big problem of mine and that's i feel like that's not a you're really good at just like executing like doing shit you're just like i'm gonna do this and you and you just get it done (laughs) i've like forced myself to be more like that but then the draw to that is sometimes i'm like oh if i had spent a little more time like I could have made it a little better yeah. or I'm always thinking like, yeah, I make these videos every week, but what, what if I put all my effort into making like a feature length documentary? Like, am, yeah. is this like my full potential, like making YouTube videos? I don't know. Wow. But I'm glad that you have these questions too. Cause I feel like I have the opposite problem where I like put too much thought and effort and I'm just like, oh, I should have, you know, there's always like a trade-off, but that's yeah. good. we all need to find a middle ground. <laughs> yeah. It's all about balance, like getting yeah. some stuff done kind of. Yeah. I guess I realized like if you want it to be absolutely perfect, then you're not going to get much done. No. Perfectionist yeah. paralysis. You know? Yeah. Totally. So I guess Grid 110 did help with that. I liked it in general, but then I was like looking back now, if I had some startup, I definitely wouldn't do it because obviously we already know the stuff, but it's like, and we were like driving to downtown LA Mm -hmm. and it was like $10 to park a day. And it's, it was far for you. It was farther for you, right? Yeah. Although it only took me like 25 minutes usually. That's not bad at all. Yeah. There was like never really traffic. Okay, that's not bad. I've been thinking actually of getting a studio over in that area because they're like really not that expensive. Honestly, I'm so glad that we went there every single day because I feel like I lived in LA for five years and I, well, before, like for four years at the time Mm -hmm. and I never really, you know, took advantage of downtown LA and I feel like I know downtown LA and I like really I like it a lot more like I think tourists like they'll go there and it's kind of like random if you're trying to look for the beach or like Santa Monica or go to the west side but I really I grew to really love it and I don't think that I would have if I just you know if we didn't have that experience agreed it was like very walkable and there's always something about being in a downtown area that's really like that energy you know did we talk about how we built it though we used share tribe not not really yeah so brought it up yeah we could bring yeah do you remember like the first version kind of was like i think i made a squarespace website and then manually made profiles for just like some of my friends like chase and lucy like videographers (laughs) we're like we'll somehow link this all together and then i don't know how we found share tribe I have no recollection. Let me try to think about it. Some YouTuber maybe talking about it. Okay, so basically like we found this template for our marketplace. It's a it's a template marketplace website. So mm-hmm. like marketplaces are apparently really hard to build because you need like a seller and a buyer and you need to, you need to match them. And so he, this guy was really successful with building his business which is like renting studio spaces across like America. 
And apparently like he does like, I mean, I don't, I don't really follow him that closely, but like I've seen him tweet out, like, you know, he's like, Oh, I'm so successful. Like I built this entire business. And it's like, if he really is making like a ton of money off of that, it is truly like he lucked out. It's just so easy. Like you literally, it's so hands off for him. He just found a problem that was not solved probably. And now he's just raking in a commission of every single studio rental from that. I mean, that might be like the best option for renting studio, like music studios. I've never, I've never had to do that. It actually could be great for podcasts because I've been looking into that more and there's not that many on Peerspace. And that's what I use sometimes to rent studios. Yeah. ShareTrip, it was almost like the platform we built it on. It was almost like Squarespace, but specifically for marketplaces. Yeah. And it was a little janky. Like it was a little rough around the edges. Right. It didn't look like a cool startup and you couldn't really customize a lot. Yeah. And I think for like a brand like Shutter, what we were trying to do, something like that has to be, it has to be very functional. That was like kind of some of the problems that we ran into. It was like people can't really easily communicate on this platform because, you know, you'd get a message and you'd get an email for that message, but then you're like, you know, why don't we just take this offline? (laughs) Right. It had like a lot of issues with that. Yeah. Yeah. And the aesthetic too. And that kind of goes into the like, everyone in the startup world pushes like, oh, just make something. It doesn't have to look pretty or whatever. Like that's what Airbnb did. But I think it's kind of important to remember when Airbnb launched, everything on the internet was so ugly. Yeah. Like their first website was like on par with what Facebook and those things looked like at that time. Yeah, it is really interesting because I think you lose credibility. A good amount of people actually were like, oh, this looks pretty legit. And I'm like, are you just being nice? Yeah. Oh, I didn't think it did. That reminds me another way that we found, because there is actually a huge demand for photographers. And it's weird because professional photographers charge so much, like street, like casual photographers. Like it's just a whole different range. But the reason why we found, we got a lot of our photographers to get on because we talked to this with photographer Fallon do you remember her oh yeah and she gave us so much insight because we wanted to talk to like our customers and both customers were like the creatives and then the influencers right and she told us that she gets most of her jobs and she's like a professional photographer she worked at like my moo moo or whatever yeah show me your moo moo yeah. and then I yeah, think yeah, like yeah. Paxson or something something like yeah. that and she I- basically told us oh wait go ahead Oh, I hired her once, too, to take a brand deal photo for me, and she did a great job. I remember that. It was, like, with the different colors. Yeah, it was Mm -hmm. super cool. But she told us that she gets most of her jobs literally from Craigslist. Oh, yeah. And so then we started putting out ads on Craigslist for creatives to get onto our platform. And that's, like, when we started really getting a ton. Yeah, and Craigslist would delete them. Yeah. And then we'd have some new ones. Because <laughs> we're essentially a competitor platform. Yeah, like, we would yeah. post an ad in every city, and it was only, like, $5 for it yeah. and then we would get people applying it was really cool it was a really fast way to get a ton of people to see our message which yeah. also just made me think like people are on craigslist a lot more than i think they are yeah yeah people really were i think that's how we got actually some of the first people on there was doing yeah. that yeah we did yeah because at first we were just reaching out um like on instagram dms to photographers and it had like a pretty good response rate i feel like people were more probably receptive to you because it's like someone with like 200,000 followers (laughs) like messaging them. But then once we started like doing the Craigslist ads, then we started just getting people to like a flood of people to just like sign up for our platform, which was really interesting. 
I think that yeah. was like kind of another learning too. It was just a much more efficient way to get signups and get good people. And we, there were, there were people that, you know, weren't great, but then we did get mm-hmm. some really talented photographers that way too. Yeah. There were definitely some that were like, um, like more amateur where it's like, yeah. but they would still price themselves very, very high. Yeah. That's another thing. I feel like pricing kind of was like, yeah because the thing is like youtubers and influencers get to the point where they are because they're doing all these things like shelby has been doing this by herself for 10 years so it's like you know what you're doing you know how and you you get yourself there and so even like i remember you were hiring a videographer or a photographer and you're just like i don't want to pay more than like 20 dollars or whatever and it's also like you're really skilled at photography so you it's not as valuable as a skill for you where I remember I hired my photographer or videographer and it was like, it was for a sponsorship. So I think I was getting like a thousand dollars, but I still, I paid this guy like two fifty for two hours. So that was kind of another, I think kind of thing that we realized it's like people, at least, you know, the people that we were targeting may not want the service true and like some of them i was just like if i'm gonna pay like a hundred dollars an hour they better be like way better than me at it yeah and in reality a lot of them were not really and the tough thing i guess is everyone just has a specific style so no matter what i would have to teach them my style any way that i want so it's like you kind of might as well go for the cheaper person and like teach them a little bit at the same time maybe like i'm wrong on that and it's worth spending more Oh, now if I hire a videographer, I'm like, I would do like 35 an hour, but otherwise like the hours add up quick and you don't want to be spending all your money on a videographer to the point where like you didn't even make anything. Exactly. Yeah. See, I'm not as, I feel like I'm not as skilled at videography. And so I like just see the talent and the craft and I'm just like amazed and I'm like, okay, like you cost $200. But that's the thing is like, I can't afford that. But I thought Mm -hmm. it was super interesting because when we were reaching out and kind of like reaching out to photographers and like customers, we had someone from like an agency representing um who's who like Channing Tatum's like wife or something oh yeah you remember that and I think this is also a huge like potential industry she or her team asked us if we also like film produce and edit content because essentially they wanted to just like kind of create like a like a production team around her so she could grow her social media yeah which they wanted to make her a YouTube channel or something yeah which I think a lot of like I think people are starting to finally realize you know the value of having a digital presence like my entire last video was on that didn't get a lot of views (laughs) it was cool though you did cool editing I looked at it I was like oh stepping it yeah I was I wanted to kind of bridge the gap between like me just like following these people on Twitter but then that did so poorly that I was like I'm not even gonna tweet it to them Because I was trying to like kind of network in a way, but also those tips were just like really genuinely helpful. I thought I thought that was super interesting how like they literally wanted a team. So I think somewhere in here is like definitely still like an in- potential market. Yeah. But I think just what we were doing, you know, mixture of things like didn't really make sense. Right. I feel like there were a few things like learning that were like didn't quite work. I was always like, is the nature of this something where people are just always going to take it off the platform? Yeah. Because yeah. with Airbnb, it totally works because you know you don't really interact with the host that much and you honestly don't really care to. Like you're yeah. there for the house and like that's it. But then with Shutter, people would hire a photographer but then they would want to keep working with the same one yeah. and they would have their number and they'd be like, you know what, why don't I just Venmo you like a lot yeah. of the time? Because then it's like, because we also took a commission 
And so you could, you know, just theoretically like erase that commission if you just took it off the platform in Venmo. With Airbnb, it's like, it kind of makes sense to keep it on the platform even if you want to rent from them again, because if anything ever happens, you know, Airbnb can refund you. I mean, we were totally prepared to, you know, take on the customer service role, but it's like, it is different too. Cause it's like, you're meeting with the person. And then we did, I mean, we had some concerns of like, oh, like, if you're not, if, if you're under 18, like, should you even be on this platform? Should we allow like people to kind of just meet up with these strangers? Yeah. I think we like didn't allow people under 18. It was like, oh gosh. We just didn't, we didn't even know. Like we were like, I don't, we don't even want to deal with that. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's when I started to be like, cause at a certain point we're like, okay, we have this website. It's pretty good. Do we want to like try and put more money into this or like raise money? We were kind of looking for a next step. We were like, at that point, I feel like our just the platform was like, it had to just change. Like it couldn't be successful like on what it was, but then it's like, yeah, that that's the question. It's like, should we dedicate like a lot more time and money to it? I thought, okay, if really the only issues were like, oh, the notifications people are taking off the platform for that reason, then I'd be like, yeah, let's like do everything we need to, to like get the money to make it an app or whatever. But when I was thinking about the problem that people kind of always take it off the platform and I have a friend actually that works at Rover that dog sitting thing yeah and she said people even take it off the platform for that oh interesting and yeah I remember we were talking a lot about your friend at Rover and trying to like you know liken it like learn about it Yeah. yeah but even that's a bit more like I think a lot more people are down to keep it on the app because there's like insurance or something I think but I just kept thinking I was like whoa this is like a problem that I don't know if could be solved just by the nature of how you work with people, like how you work with a videographer and yeah, that's so true. Kind of seeing how other YouTubers, like they would just want them on their payroll. They wouldn't want to like hire them on shutter. Yeah. And I feel like once you find a photographer that you like, or even once influencers find the photographer, like there are so many photographers in this world, but you only really see, like you see some really concentrated, like even Bryant, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, once you get your photographer, you kind of, you're comfortable with them and you want to stick with them. It's like a, it's kind of a big burden and a lot of energy to keep meeting like a new photographer to work with. And like, there were times where we would meet with our photographers and they were just kind of uncomfortable like yeah (laughs) like some of them are just like kind of awkward or that they take really good pictures and yeah once you find one you like or if you're making videos because yeah making youtube videos can be so like intimate in a weird way literally in your bedroom so we tried (laughs) to like around yeah we tried to create like a vetting process so that we could but then it's like well, what what are we vetting for? Like personality, like we want people to be using this and to be comfortable with the photographers, but everyone has a different personality. Everyone like has someone different that they're comfortable with. So it's just, it is a lot of things to solve. But I mean, that would go away. That would have gone away with the reviews. Yeah, true. You had to keep it on the platform. So we had a lot of challenges. (laughs) Right, but I was like, that to me was the biggest thing of being like, I don't think it's worth really taking the next step of putting the time in and whatever, because I feel like that problem I don't know. Like, I think that kind of kills that type of yeah. business because there's no and way to really tried, make money. Yeah, exactly. And we tried meeting up with like developers and kind of just asking, you know, what this would look like if they were to like build it or, you know, even how much it would cost. Yeah. And I feel like even the people that we were talking to, we just had no idea, like if they were even credible because we had no idea, like we just had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like for that kind of thing, the move is really just finding someone to like give equity because then they'll keep yeah. working on it. Otherwise, you're going to like keep paying someone. Yeah. But and these things are not cheap, especially. So mm-hmm. I think that was like, yeah, it was kind of 
a big combination of things that just didn't make sense to kind of move forward with. So then eventually we were kind of like, I don't know if it was worth it. Yeah. Keep going. We kind of slowly were starting to realize that, I think. I think so too. Like, I don't think we wanted to see the reality because I was like, this could be such a cool thing. Yeah. Especially, yeah, it's like, I. I don't, I do not regret that experience at all. I think I actually learned a ton and I, Me too. yeah, I feel, yeah, I, I, I think it was a great experience, but it was like, that was my worst fear of graduating and not getting a job. I was like, oh, this is totally going to work out. But then it was like, oh, this is not going to work out. Yeah. <laughs> so like that must've like, been hard, right? Like it is once, hard, yeah. once we were kind of done with it, how were you feeling? Like, what were you like, what, what were you thinking? That was truly like, I was in a really low place, but I feel like it was also a good thing because I think I realized like I was like this is, if this is my worst fear of like what could happen this is not that bad before I would be like oh if I fail you know my friends aren't like are just gonna think I'm like a loser and it's like no one treated me any differently they're just like oh yeah you're smart like you can do something you'll just figure it out like just later mm-hmm. I, I would go to yoga like every single day because I was just so stressed and I was like what am I gonna what am I gonna do with the rest of my life and for me I think you are I think you are truly like a master at YouTube like I think you're incredible at storytelling you're good at filming like you're good at all the technical aspects you're just good at it but for me I never I don't I can't ever see me just having a YouTube for like like I have to always make my content around something that I'm doing or else Mm -hmm. I just get so stuck I'm just like you started with like college videos yeah right it's like it's always and it's because I have like I'm talking about what I'm going through so it's like someone can probably relate to that position like I just can't make videos if I'm not talking about the thing that I'm doing. So then I was like doing nothing. And so that was hard too. But I think that that helped me to learn that like, oh, if this is my rock bottom, like I still have people that really love and support me. My family still like supports me. My friends still like, like me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just feel like I was so stressed. And I would like, I would go to yoga. Like that was like, my physical, you know, response. And I feel like that was a good time. It wasn't a fun time, but I'm glad that I was there because I don't think I would have made the decision to like even learn how to code. There are like two sides to this. I feel like once you kind of have that experience, you're much more comfortable with it because it's like just kind of what you know. So now Mm -hmm. like I'm learning how to code and I think that's, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Like since I kind of, for like the last like three years, I don't think I ever would have done it. But I also think it's harder to get back into you know like the job career kind of goals especially now with coronavirus it's like if I wanted to jump back into that I don't have the experience that traditional corporate like firms marketing firms or just a traditional job want because they want to see like agency experience or like you know work experience and it's like kind of going back to our conversation it's like they don't consider you know YouTube an experience where it's like you work harder than a lot of my friends at their jobs, you know, because it's like you're actually doing shit for yourself. But it's like a lot of people don't. I'm sure it'll change in the future, but they might not see it as the same value as like if I had just worked at Neutrogena, even though I'm like, yeah, girl, I, you, trust me, I'm doing way more. <laughs> I think it's funny because like I even I've never had a job like that. So I just assume like, oh, people must be like working so hard and whatever. And like, no. I'll, I'll think like maybe I am like, am I lazy? Like, I don't know. You know, like I, I don't have anything to base it off of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are definitely some jobs like my brother is in his residency where he works really fucking hard. But it's yeah, like that's like no compare. Like, yeah, that's, there's yeah. there are jobs for sure. So I'm not saying this about all jobs, but a lot of jobs and my friends who have careers in industries and like traditional business they feel the exact same way that I felt at Neutrogena and it's like 
unless you you have to be really lucky like to get a kick-ass job with like a good you know salary and benefits and a good team but I think the majority of people that I talk to they feel the same way that I did in my corporate Mm -hmm. job but I think a lot of people are too scared or they just don't have like the privilege where they can do what they want to be doing so I mean I know I'm lucky I'm very lucky totally but I feel like it must have been hard like for anyone emotionally deciding to do something different and then it not working out and then be like okay what do I do now yeah if you had told me as a freshman at USC like when you graduate you're gonna just not get a job but then you're not (laughs) you know like you're not gonna be like successful off the bat yeah I would have been like oh that really sucks I honestly think like all of all things work out like for a reason. And it's like I started my coding boot camp in January. So it was like right before coronavirus. So I'd I'd been moved back home. Like I was like, I'm gonna live with my parents, not have to pay for rent and like, you know, not have to worry about these things so I can finally learn how to code. Cause I I went from feeling so down about myself and like my situation. I was just like a lot of self pity. <laughs> yeah. I was looking for jobs. Like I was going, I fully planned on like moving to San Francisco, getting a job and marketing in tech, and then somehow trying to like get more into tech by that way. But then I was just like, you know, if I really want to be in tech and I, I think my reasoning for doing coding is like, I think you can, you can relate to this too, Shelby. It's like from YouTube, you realize the huge potential of putting your voice on a digital platform and being Mm -hmm. able to like develop something on the web could be the same thing. So I think like, that's why I keep trying to tell you to do it because if you have those two like kind of superpowers, like, you know, you already have it such a huge digital presence, but then Mm -hmm. if you're able to channel that into something and it's like, it could be anything, like it's just anything you imagine. Like recently I've been doing like these journaling workshops for charity and it's like, I could totally like digitize this and make this like a whole thing once, you know, I like it's more clear of a direction now that I'm like learning the basics of coding this year, 2020. It's like, I was in the luckiest position possible because I was already at home. My I'm in Lambda school right now, which is a coding boot camp that I'm doing and it's completely mm-hmm. unaffected. And I also think this is the future of education, by the way, like, yeah, not Lambda I school, just like online learning. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Like, because if you don't understand something, like I had to flex back my units and I think that I'll, like at least for front end, I'll probably just have to because it's so hard for me to process. But it's like you can't fail. Like if you don't understand, you're not going past the next round, uh-huh. which just completely makes sense because if you're taking like a computer programming class in college and you just don't understand how to do it, you just get an F. And it's like, what benefit does that give you if you just get an F and you still don't know how to code? (laughs) Yeah. And the thing, I think a lot of people listening might not know what Lambda School is, but the really unique thing about it, it's it wasn't founded by Y Combinator, right? But they funded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They um, they were like a Y Combinator company. Oh, yeah. So they yeah. went through the Y Combinator process. Oh, that's a good thing to mention tonight. Yeah. I kind of forget about that. Yeah. Right. So it's like they they have that credibility from that where yeah. it's like if you don't know what Y Combinator is, all you need to know is like it's very credible and people think it's, it's really like the legit. Harvard. Someone I think yeah. Tim Ferriss described it as like the Harvard slash Navy SEAL of like incubator startup yeah it's like it's it's like harder to get into than harvard or something yeah honestly that is why i chose it in school because there are a bunch of other you know boot camps and like coding is like there's a bunch now yeah yeah so the unique thing that they do which hey maybe someone listening will end up doing this because i think it's really cool if you can't afford it rather than like college you have to take out a loan and like some it's i can't even believe it's legal to like take out a loan for like what 200 or something thousand dollars for yeah. college like it's crazy our education system just does not make sense right now no, it does not wild. make sense and i honestly so, think that coronavirus will like really shake up the entire like because yeah. it doesn't make sense like if you're paying you're 
Harvard is charging the exact same tuition I saw for that. online classes. It's it does not make sense. No. <laughs> so what Lambda School does is yeah. they, if you can't afford it, you can do it for free, but then after what they like, yeah, they okay, place so, you on a job. Yeah, you explain it because yeah, you, you so know. Essentially, like their business model is like you pay zero dollars up front until you get a, a high paying job, which I think for them is like a $50,000 job or more. And then for two years, you pay back seven to 10% of your salary. Mm -hmm. So essentially like with that logic, I think there are some other controversies, like they were selling their loans and stuff like that. So I don't want to like completely speak like highly of the school, but with that like logic, it's like they're motivated to get you a job or else they don't get paid. So they're really rooting for the student. And it's just for the what, two or four years or something after? Yeah, up to $30,000. Okay, so so that's, like, so fair, I think. Yeah. How long do you think it would take to learn how to code an app and be, like, good at it? A super – like, well, because this program is only nine months for the full-time unit. Like, I'm doing the part-time unit, so it's going to take, like, longer. But you could learn how to fully develop something within three months. Like, a kind of basic thing? Or how long would it take to make, like – say you want to make, like, a good version of Shutter, like that. Honestly, okay, so – the, like messaging platform and payment and things. Okay, I don't know. I think maybe you could get, you know, messaging. This is also the cool thing. Like there's just so before I started Lambda school, I had absolutely no exposure to code whatsoever. So now I'm just learn it's a completely new world, so I just yeah. keep learning different things that are available to this world. And the cool thing is like there's a lot of open source like code. That's like the whole internet just relies on people building out this code and then sharing it with other people. So I'm sure there are things that you could just kind of like copy and paste in terms of like messaging and payment, like Stripe makes it really easy for developers. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, it's literally, it's like an API and it's, you know, I'm sure that that would be easier. This is my next phase of quarantine. I get into coding. But even like, (laughs) even I think, you know, just how you hire photographers, it's like, even if you have like a basic understanding, because we talk to developers and like the information just like flew over our head. We have, we have no idea if they're credible, if they're good at what they do. So I feel like even if you have a basic understanding of it, of what's happening and what's going on and how to read code could probably help you. Cause then you have like the understanding of like even the limitations of like what you can do. Well, I think it'll be so helpful for whatever you do next, because you could like, you have so many options. Your world is like so much more open. Like you could very easily get a job at a company because software engineers are like hard to find good ones, you know? Yeah. Or you could like come up with a cool idea and like start it and do that full time or do it on the side or like anything. Yeah. That's really up in the air for me too right now. I'm like not sure if I want, I probably will want to get a job to get some experience like for Mm -hmm. at least like two years coding. That would be like ideal. But even with coronavirus, I'm just like, I was fully planning on moving to like either San Francisco or New York or just like another big city, like maybe LA. But I'm like, I'm not sure what those are going to look like. But the cool thing about everything that I'm like trying to learn and trying to do is like, you can literally do it all from your computer. How did you feel about moving out of LA also? I think it was honestly really good for me. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I love LA, but I feel like it's interesting because like I don't I feel like I don't have like a strong community there because I grew up in you know Washington and then Anchorage Alaska and there's a community aspect here that I just like really love where in LA you could literally like never see a person again you know so true but it's like I don't even know if it's like oh is it just you know a few friends that can give you that or what but there's just like for me like it was really like kind of like healing and like it's 
nice. Like no one asks me like what I do here. Like they're not judging me that I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have like a full-time job or like work at Google or anything. I feel like I'm in a much better place than I was like last year, like immensely. Yeah. But also after that, I was like, I need to pick myself up a little bit. And so moving back to a lot, and it's just like beautiful here. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like it's like, a good reset it was, for you. Yeah, it was a good reset. You but should they make both have- videos. I like watching your videos like genuinely more than other people because I just Aww. think you're like have a different and interesting perspective, you know? Thank like, you. You don't I- try and go for the clickbait. I mean, yeah, maybe that's a bad thing because like uh, <laughs> it's not not doing too well. But I really appreciate that because I also I, – I love watching your videos. But it's like I feel like I'm watching like a master – like, I, you know, like a piece of art. But I also love your vlogs because you just genu- – like, can you do some more uh, editing tips? Because I feel like you're oh, so yeah. fast at editing and you, you throw in like really good tips in the vlogs. I need to vlog again. I kind of stopped when I went to Washington, but now yeah. I can get back well, on it. Well, that's the thing too. It's like, it's just been hard lately too. Cause it's like, I don't want to like, are you taking up space or like, are people getting offended by this? But I kind of yeah. think that, you know, I think like we have like good intentions and, you know, mm-hmm. I think we do a lot and we, we always try like since when this is like a whole nother discussion, but it's like, when, why are people looking to influencers to base their moral decisions off of? <laughs> True. Like really not the best idea. I have this idea. It would be called PC PR, politically correct PR. Oh, like a PR and, firm that you help yeah. people figure that out? Yeah. Help influencers just be like, this is really not okay to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know? Um, oh, but yeah. So after, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, oh, two, two videos that I've started doing are coding videos and Alaska videos. And both of them have a way higher CPM than any of my other oh my videos God. ever before. Whoa. I'm so confused. Wait, yeah. you should do more. You should do like what like I love watching it's like what a million dollars get to in Alaska like I like I love those you should do that oh my god I should totally you should come up here and film it but I would totally do that too I'm down <laughs> I like just doing ones about cool Airbnbs too like shipping containers and whatever yeah but I've been you, watching yeah you should yeah, do more coding cool. ones because those are like I, yeah my next video is gonna be a coding it's just like surprising to me because I thought that absolutely no one would care about my coding journey at all but mm-hmm. I've literally gotten more response from my coding content than I have from really anything that I posted in probably the last two years. When I started making Tesla videos, those were like an anchor to my channel, like yeah. got me new subscribers, people liked it. And I think coding could be similar for you because yeah. not a lot of people know very much about it and not a lot, a lot of people know much about it and want to make videos. So it can yeah. be like one of the And I think things. the thing with me is like, I'm not afraid of just, you know, maybe it'll come off like as annoying some sometimes, but I'm not afraid of just being like, this is really hard. Like, I really don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Like, I've never been the person to just care about, you know, like if I appear smart like that, because I think there's a big benefit to, you know, just admitting where you're at. So I think, because <laughs> yeah, some, I think that's way more helpful because then other people yeah. are going to struggle and be like, wait, but Anne Marie, like, breeze yeah. through this. You should make but, a podcast too. I can't believe you don't have a podcast because I feel like you actually introduced me to listening to podcasts. I didn't really oh listen God, really? to podcasts, but then you're like, how I built this, like, you would always reference it. So I started listening to it. And now I've like, like, listened to, like, I love podcasts because I can tell, like, I obviously knew that you were interested in these conversations because we would be having these conversations. And it's like podcasts just allow you to have these conversations with people who are like probably like really high up in their careers totally. and who have already been through it. Have you listened to the Tim Ferriss Naval Ravikant podcast? No. Wait, Shelby, what is it? Tim Ferriss and who? It was actually Joe Rogan, but he's also on Tim Ferriss. Like, that's where I first heard of him. But the Joe Rogan Naval podcast. Naval, how do you spell that? N-A-V-A-L. 
he talks about um oh, i forget what he calls them but it's like unequal like opportunistic like oh this is gonna sound so stupid like when you actually like understand because i'm not articulating it well at all but, but it's like opportunities that give you you know huge leverage just from like mm-hmm. doing this one thing and he's like he talks a lot about how like having a digital presence and like creating content online and also coding you'll definitely really relate to it but it's literally all of my thoughts and like my deepest intuition that I've had just like following my own path Ooh, oh my verbalized God, by this one podcast and it was the most reaffirming thing to hear after I was like oh, I'm gonna like learn how to code I'm gonna spend a you know a year and a half of my life learning to code while all my friends are like advancing their business careers he just like listening to that podcast I was like everything is okay yeah now I have You'll something to listen to when I go get tested for the coronavirus <laughs> yes this is actually kind of long I don't think we need to do yeah. any of people's okay. millennial life crises of the week. Although okay, they're, yeah. I'll read one actually just okay. so we have the option because I feel like okay. people don't send them in as much if we don't read them. So, okay. So, hi, Shelby and Monica, or in this case, Anne Marie. I wanted to write in about my millennial life crisis I had a few years ago. In college, I made the mistake of temporarily moving in with my then boyfriend. Flash forward three years and we're still living together and I'm still paying the rent. I realized I was way too young to be fully supporting a grown man. Oh, so it sounds like she's paying for it all herself. Holy shit. But I couldn't figure out how to break up with him. So I just impulsively took a job in a big city a few hours from his hometown. I moved, he came with me, and then I had his parents pick him up at the airport. Maybe not my best moment, but hey, I was 22. Okay, I'm confused because it's like just ends at that. So this happened a few years ago, I guess. So she's not really asking for advice, but it sounded like she knew what she needed to do. Yeah, I I think it is extremely hard to break up with someone. I've never done it. Yeah, tell me about that. I've probably broken up with all of my boyfriends. Like, not I'm not not seven stones. (laughs) Like, but it is like so hard because it's like your best friend that you've like you know like, and you just know that once you do it, you will no longer have that relationship it's like killing something but I think that you always have to approach it. it's like you're not doing them a service by wanting to break up with them and not doing it because you'll respond accordingly like you'll start to become resentful mm-hmm. and it's not fair to you it's not for them and it's also not fair to you and especially like you know people have limited time like you don't like if they have a goal in mind it's kind of a waste of their time too I have two things that I would highly recommend like millennials to check out first it's that millennial book that everyone's been reading <laughs> oh my god i read it i know what it is i read it because i watched her vlog the defining decade okay yeah didn't that remind you of like how she's like don't like m- just don't live with your boyfriend like yes me and monica really talked about that says. yeah in, okay um, you, you talked about a couple it episodes ago yeah because <laughs> i like told her to read it and now she's obsessed and like telling everyone to read it it's a great yeah. book but i initially found it from you okay cool yeah um statistically if you live with your boyfriend before being either engaged or married Mm -hmm. it just usually doesn't work out as well it's so weird because I feel like whoa I wouldn't want to like not live with them yeah because I'm I'm, married but people do like in the book like how this girl also said people like accidentally do it or it's going to be temporary but then it's not and they didn't really decide like yes we want to take this next step yeah that's really hard yeah yeah I've like lived with boyfriends like over the summers like when I was at USC and stuff but Mm -hmm. I and I kind of feel like I'm not quite sure like if I completely agree with that but I think it's just like an interesting thing to consider like 
it didn't sound very, you know, factual when I said it. I was like, you know, statistically, it's like less likely to work out. But she gives some like logic behind it. And then the second thing I would recommend, like people, my sister like introduced me to this like comedian, Daniel Sloss. He has this, I think it's his Jigsaw special on Netflix. And it he talks about breakups and just like how people stay in relationships just for kind of the convenience of it. Nothing mm-hmm. has, and he's literally inspired hundreds and thousands hundreds of thousands maybe like just thousands Uh of breakups because he just says it in such a logical way first dates are just like dating people like maybe not the best time now but it's truly like one of those environments where you can learn so much about just like people in general you know that's true even like well I feel like there's a lot of dates where it's like okay maybe like you weren't like super into that guy or whatever but it can still be a fun time yeah, and it, I think it genuinely teaches you so much about yourself, too. It's like, oh, like, how do you act when you're, like, nervous or, like, you know. Totally. You can kind guy. of get better at it, too. Yeah, though. you totally can. Because, like, yeah. I like from journaling, I would realize when I was, like, absolutely, you know, like, your emotions are just so high if you, like, like someone. Mm-hmm. And over time, you just realize, like, wow, I'm kind of, like, this is – this is this can be like handled yeah you can yeah. see patterns and be like yeah. reel it in like yes, exactly exactly <laughs> that's funny okay so that is it for this week's episode thank you guys for listening as always rate us five stars in the app store if you enjoy this podcast hopefully if you make it till the end you do enjoy it and you're not like hate listening um that would be a lot of time to spend on hate listening to something follow us on instagram as well it's at millennial life crisis to stay up to date i think we're getting on a better posting schedule so we're going to be posting on wednesdays so make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast on apple Podcasts or spotify or whatever you listen to it on i listen more on spotify but i subscribe to a lot of them on apple Podcasts because i feel like they give a better like notification anyway hope you guys enjoyed and i will talk to you next week